situation. He took a pitch in the back. He got beamed for crying out loud. We used heart attack. Managers on a major league baseball team don't make decisions. Credibility in this situation is worse than losing your job. Was it over with the Germans bomb Pearl Harbor? The castration of the major league baseball managers. We know it. Ask me about my winner. Manu Ginobili, longtime uh, San Antonio Spurs star who has won four NBA championships, was most recently inducted into the Basketball Hall of Fame. And my question is, why? Um, I respect his career. I think he's done an outstanding job winning four NBA championships. You look at the uh, body of work um, to be able to play until you're 40, which we're going to touch on a little bit, talking about another player and another sport that may be considering coming back. But Manu Ginobili, I just, I think of him, I think of a good NBA player, but there's a couple reasons that I just don't believe that he's Hall of Fame worthy. Now, you understand that in the NBA, as opposed to other sports, uh, their Hall of Fame is watered down. They let a lot of people in that in other sports probably wouldn't get that sort of consideration. Bill Fitch had a losing record as a head coach. Jason Petrovich, yes. He tragically died in the middle of his career. But at the same time, what other sports put players in the Hall of Fame that die tragically in their 20s? Jose Fernandez in baseball was on a track to be a baseball Hall of Famer. He doesn't get that type of consideration because he tragically died. So I understand the NBA and its watered-down Hall of Fame process, but I look at Ginobili and his career. Perfect player for Greg Popovich's system. Played very good defense. Was not even a starter for a long period of his career. Was essentially um, an elite six-man over his time. But over his last seven seasons in the NBA, which was his age 34 to age 40 seasons, he averaged around 20 minutes a game. Started just 10 games. Now, listen, if the if the argument is, hey, this was a six-man, you know, maybe one of the better six men in NBA history, I'm cool with it. But once again, you look at the watered-down process of the NBA's Hall of Fame, and I look at Manu Ginobili, and I don't mean to knock the player because I think he had a very good career, but in this person's opinion, Manu Ginobili was not Hall of Fame worthy. Now, speaking of older players, uh, Joe Thornton is, just finished his, what, 25th season in the National Hockey League with the Florida Panthers. Panthers eliminated by the Tampa Bay Lightning as the Lightning shoot for their third straight Stanley Cup um, victory as they itch themselves closer. Joe Thornton, over 1,500 points in his career. I don't have any doubts that he's probably going into the Hockey Hall of Fame, probably first ballot. If he's not, it'll be pretty soon after that. He's had a career that, from uh, an NHL perspective, has you know is, uh, distinguished himself as one of the better players, certainly one of the better passers in, in NHL history. Obviously, his uh, run with the Boston Bruins, the uh, 15 years that he played with the San Jose Sharks, and he's considering whether he should come back for a forty for age forty three season, his age forty three season, which will be his twenty sixth in the NHL. And you've seen players that have played very long. You know, look at how many times Gordy Howe, 
you know, he, he kept going at it for years upon years. But one of the things you saw with Gordy Howe that you've started to see from Joe, Joe Thornton is a decline. And a decline in not being that elite type of player. You know, you're not putting this version of Joe Thornton on your NHL All-Star team. You're not using this version of Joe Thornton to say, hey, he's going to be playing on one of the top two lines of whatever team he ends up playing last year. In fact, he's probably a fifth-line player at this stage of his career. Last year with Toronto, this year with Florida. And obviously, you're not complimenting somebody's role on a team if they're a fifth-line player. Because for those of you scoring at home, there's only four lines that play in the NHL over the course of a season. So, you know, Joe Thornton, I think from a leadership perspective, will help teams. And if he's looking to segue into coaching, I don't have any issue with him maybe, listen, sticking around. Sticking around on the bench. Sticking around in a clubhouse. Absorbing all the information. If his plan is to be uh, an NHL head coach or even an assistant coach, I totally get it. He's had a great career. Personally, my one person's perspective, I think it's probably time for him to hang him up. And I compare a couple players in baseball before I compare one player in football to hammer home this point. You know, how many years do you want to linger around as an average player? Listen, I get the fire, I get the love for the sport. You know, there's there's few people that you know have the opportunity to play on the highest stage. And to be gifted with the ability to play as long as he has played, you know, certainly is a gift. And that can't be taken for granted by any uh, stretch of the imagination. But if you think of baseball players like Julio Franco, Jamie Moyer, and most recently Bartolo Colon, you're looking at players that were very much diminished in their value and what they can bring to a given team. Leadership aside, Now, leadership is important. There's a certain amount of value that it could be quantified for. You could say, hey, somebody as a leader, yes, it's worth it to have that person either on the bench, in the clubhouse, in the locker room, and maybe playing in a game or two. I think of, this one just came to me, Udonis Haslam, um, basically still having an NBA career with the Miami Heat. Here's a guy that is many years removed from even playing regularly. But he, he is he's still on the roster. Pat Riley looks at him as like a coach, a player coach. And you look, you know, 20, 20, 20, 21, he played just one game. Played in just 13 games this past season. Is averaging about six minutes per appearance. So, you know, I, I get it from a leadership perspective that if you have room on a roster, you could take this emeritus type of role with a given team. But... When I compare Joe Thornton at this stage of his career, let's say to Udonis Haslam, or to that of Julio Franco, Jamie Moore, and Bartolo Colon, it's not really a compliment. And at some point, you know, you gotta you gotta look at it from the the team's perspective that's going to sign you. Joe Thornton could get a contract. There's a team like, let's say, the rising Florida Panthers of this past year in the NHL that would consider, hey, we'll bring him in. But it's going to be hard to put him on one of our regular lines. And you're looking at a player that has played, what, 40-something games two years ago, uh, 34 games this past season, only played in one game of the playoffs, which happened to be the series clinching loss to the Tampa Bay Lightning. Now, does he have value from a coaching perspective? Probably. 
But is that what he wants to be at this stage of his career? Because you, know, you got a guy that has you know, led the league in assists three different times over the course of his career, scored 30 goals before, multiple times in a season, has been a Hart Trophy winner, has been a many-time All-Star in the NHL. How many years are you going to hang on of being just average and ordinary in a sport that, listen, the players are getting faster, stronger, tougher? I, I just don't know if it's a good idea. And I said the same thing about Julio Franco when he was, you know, in the, what turned out to be his last season with the New York Mets. Uh, you know, t- 2007, I think it was. You're looking at a player that was very much behind on the fastball, but was in good shape. You know, you knew he could go out there and play on the field, but was a kind of a shell of what Julio Franco was in the late 80s and the early 90s when he was a guy that could knock 20 home runs and steal 20 bases and hit close to 300. Now, you know, you want to be a 200 hitter just to say, hey, I could play until age 50. Good for you. But I don't know if that's the best representation or the best, um, the best thing that you want to be remembered for. You know, you think of somebody like Tom Brady, and Tom Brady damn near retired. Now you could say that there was no uh, there was no truth to that. Maybe it wasn't his intention all along. Maybe he was really that uh, the, you know that divided or that ambivalent. He couldn't really commit himself to whether he wanted to play or not because he saw on the other side, hey. You know, the future after playing in the NFL, I'm going to do this, this, and this. I may see my family more. I may move into my next career. You know, the brand of Tom Brady, of, you know, all the different things that he involves himself with the, you know, the TB12 and everything. You know, there, there's probably uncertainty. Hey, he understands as long as he's played in, in the NFL and being the greatest player that the sport has ever seen, that he's going to spend a longer period of his life not playing in the NFL than he is playing in the NFL. But Tom Brady is also performing at the highest level, as high of a level as he has ever played over the course of his career. And I think that's something that is much different than what Joe Thornton is going through right now. And it's no disrespect to Joe Thornton. Joe Thornton's going to be in the NHL Hockey Hall of Fame. There's no doubt about it. Uh, and, and he would be the first probably to tell you that a comparison to Tom Brady might not be the fairest thing at this moment or this stage of the game. But Tom Brady at age 44 led the NFL in completions, pass attempts, passing yards, touchdowns, and average yards per game. Also, a stat that you know, speaks a lot about his offensive line and protection, the lowest amount of a percentage of being sacked in the NFL at age 44. Now, if you compared it to what Joe Thornton is going through and dealing with at this stage of his career at age 42, 34 games, five goals, five assists, a negative 10 plus minus rating. You know, this is nothing wrong with hanging him up. I mean, certainly he doesn't want to be remembered as as the player that was, uh, like I said, a fifth a, a fifth line player that's going to get in there when somebody's hurt, uh, might get rotated in here and out, you know, here and there if if there's a player that's struggling that they want to give a day off or so. 
I mean, this was a, an all-star. This was a Hart Trophy winner. This was a player that at one point scored 125 points in a season, three times scored over 100 points in a season, has 1,500 points in his career, and is going to be a Hockey Hall of Famer. And I know it's the, the toughest decision you can make, and I've spoken to many athletes that have said the same thing, that, you know, that's the toughest call because you don't want to go home for a couple of years and be like, man, you know what? What would it be? What, what, what else could I get in regards to closure to know that I was really done? It, it, it's a tough decision to make. So you hear that Colin Kaepernick's going to get a tryout or an audition or uh, um, I guess he's going to work out for the Las Vegas Raiders. And I think that's great for the NFL, but most importantly, great for the opportunity of a player to prove that they have something left. Because for whatever reason, whether it's Kaepernick-driven or it's the narrative against him by the NFL who is legitimately trying to hold him back and out of the league, which I kind of lead towards the latter in regards to my opinion, we need to have, I feel, as the general public, some closure in regards to whether this player can play. Now, he's been out of the league for five years, so the odds are naturally going to be stacked against them. Every year that's gone by without Colin Kaepernick playing in the National Football League is basically uh, another layer of how hard it's going to be for him to compete at the highest level. Now, the Las Vegas Raiders, maybe from a, a, a PR type of perspective, you know, they, they fired John Gruden amid the racist comments that he made in emails from 10 years ago when the league was... Uh, <laughs> The league was uh, investigating the Washington football team owner, Dan Snyder. Maybe this is a an attempt to kind of get better in good faith with the general public. I don't know. I mean, that's something that you can think about. Listen, I think there's uh, uh, topics that, that could be devoted towards this type of content. But well, the way I look at it, and I look at it from the, the athlete's perspective, and how many years somebody may have to play. I don't think Colin Kaepernick has gotten the appropriate closure towards his NFL career. Here's a guy that, you know, like I said, last played in a league a long time ago. And to expect that he's going to be able to just go out there and perform at the same level that he did, by the way, you know, he didn't necessarily finish uh, on the highest of notes, but let's say the 2013 version when the 49ers were 12 and 4, the year before that when he was 5 and 2 as their starter and they made it to the Super Bowl. Remember, 2016, Kaepernick's teams were 1 and 10 when he was the starting quarterback. You know, he, he did throw 16 touchdowns to four interceptions. He, he proved at that point that he had the ability to at least hold a clipboard on an NFL roster and earn a paycheck week in and week out. And like I said, five years have gone by since. How much has he depreciated in regards to his value? Now, how many years have gone by before you can say, well, he's probably not one of the best 32 quarterbacks available. Is he one of the best 64 quarterbacks available? Because every team needs a backup. 
Every team needs a starter and every team needs a backup. I think it's worth it to find that out. And that's been my point all along. Why has this guy not been on a football field? Why has he not been in training camp? Why has he not taken some reps in a preseason game? Why, why has he not gone out there and played a quarter here or a quarter there? So you actually have some tangible statistics with performance to make an educated decision over whether this guy could still play. Now, thought is, some, some of this is Kaepernick-driven. Maybe he doesn't want to be out there. Maybe he wants to be more of a martyr than a football player. But you've heard him speak up over the last couple of years about his interest in playing in the National Football League again. By the way, he's 34 years old now. You know, he'll turn 35 this November. You're looking at, at a player that hasn't played in the NFL in five years. Ask Tiki Barber how that layoff has an impact. And Barber was only out for three years. He left the Giants. He went on NBC to, to try out and try to try to be on a Today Show. That didn't work out. Three years later, he goes to training camp. He signs uh, to get to get an audition to play for the Pittsburgh Steelers. He doesn't make it. Tim Tebow. You could talk about a player that is given opportunity just because his name. Maybe I agree with that partially. But he has the connection to Urban Meyer because they both played together at Florida. He signs as a tight end to go into training camp to compete with the Jacksonville Jaguars. And you know what? Urban Meyer, probably his biggest supporter, makes a decision after a couple weeks to say, hey, you're not, you're not cutting it. You're not on this level. Tim Tebow was very humbled by that. Now, he made the effort. He was in great physical shape. But he hadn't been in the NFL in a handful of seasons didn't make it through a couple weeks in training camp. Now, I think Colin Kaepernick is owed that opportunity. Now, if the Raiders decide to sign him, which there's no guarantee that they will, but I think it'll be a, 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 a chance. Listen, there's other quarterbacks there. They signed Jared Stidham. Um, you know, they got another Nick Mullins is there, right? So they got basically two quarterbacks that are there, NFL caliber backups to Derek Carr, who's obviously the unequivocal starter there. But, you know, to see him on the field, let him play a couple quarters, I think that'll also give a showcase to the rest of the league. Maybe there's no fit on the Las Vegas Raiders and their football team in regards to their quarterback depth chart. But what is needed to see is a little bit of tape, a little bit of more recent tape from something better than the past five years on Colin Kaepernick with a helmet and pads on competing in an actual NFL game. Because that's that's only going to make you think that, hey, more time has gone by since he's done it. Personally, I'd like to see him get signed. Just bring him in there. Give him a couple quarters in some of the preseason games. Just a chance to play. A chance to, to show how quick he can learn an offense. chance to show how maybe his talent still translates into the NFL after not playing for five years. Listen, I've been saying this for years that the guy just deserves another chance. And if he goes out there and like Tiki Barber doesn't make it through training camp with the Pittsburgh Steelers, they cut him. Tim Tebow doesn't make it through two weeks with the Jacksonville Jaguars, they cut him. At least they got their closure. They tried to perform at the highest stage in the NFL after a gap in regards to the time that they played. And maybe they were humbled, but most importantly, they were kind of shown the door because the league had passed them by. 
Colin Kaepernick to this point has not had that proven. And that's kind of that kind of bothers me. And I think he deserves that. Deserves a chance to play in a couple games. And like I said, you know, the Raiders don't have to roster him this year. The Raiders don't have to put him in there as one of their quarterbacks. Maybe they could offer him a spot in their practice squad. But you know what? There's 31 other teams out there evaluating their quarterback depth situation. Not just for their backup, but for their third string quarterback. And if they believe, any other team believes that there's enough potential in Colin Kaepernick that, you know what, maybe maybe he could run a little bit. He's still got a strong enough arm. He His stamina from what you've seen in a couple games is still good enough to play in this league. Then I think he'll end up with a job. Now the other element of this, and this is the other point that I, I don't, I, th- I think does get spoken about maybe a little bit too much is the extra attention that Colin Kaepernick just being in your facility is going to create. Because I think that's very similar to what we've, we've said for years about Tim Tebow. Now, Tim Tebow, you're like, hey, what did he really do? You know, he's a religious dude. He, he kneels down and prays after he scores. I mean, what is he really doing that's uh, controversial? You know, Colin Kaepernick, was speaking up against police brutality. He decided to kneel during the national anthem, which some people may say is like the most disrespectful thing in the world. But I don't, I don't know if that even exists anymore in a country that I don't know has everybody, everybody's best interest in mind anyway. So for Colin Kaepernick to basically be blackballed from the sport for what could be perceived as that distraction is the reason that I've been in favor of him getting another shot in the NFL. Now, if you're the Raiders or if you're any other team in the National Football League, I think you do have to weigh the distraction factor into any sort of decision to sign him or play him or roster him. And I think the Raiders have considered this. Like I said, there's probably a little bit of a PR uh, retribution in owner Mark Davis's mind. Now, I don't think he did anything wrong by hiring John Gruden. I think it was very unfortunate that those emails came out. But, you know, John Gruden has it on record that he has shared those type of views before. And if I'm if I own a football team, I can't have somebody represent my brand that has been proven to feel that way. Now, is it a little like I said, retribution? You're trying to get yourself, um, hey, we're gonna bring Colin Kaepernick back. Maybe he could forgive us on Gruden. Like I said, Mark Davis didn't hire him knowing that. But the other thing that has to be considered, there's going to be a ton of people in the media that are going to want to talk to Colin Kaepernick. Oh, uh, Las Vegas Raiders, and I almost call them the Oakland Raiders for crying out loud, but the Las Vegas Raiders training camp opens up. You know, it's not going to be a ton of people wanting to talk to Josh McDaniels. It's not going to be a ton of people wanting to talk to Derek Carr. It's not going to be a ton of people you know, excited, and, and they're going to be excited, but they're, they're not going to be wanting to talk to Devontae Adams. They're going to want to be talking to somebody that, if he signs with the Raiders, at the very least is going to be the fourth-string quarterback going into training camp. And Kaepernick probably will keep his mouth shut, will do what he can to not be a distraction. But there's going to be a ton of people with a microphone in their hand that are going to want to get a little take from somebody who, like I said, going into training camp is going to be the fourth string quarterback. And that's assumed that his workout goes well enough and the Raiders decide to sign him. 
So you have to weigh how much of a distraction you're willing to accept, knowing that there's going to be some. Knowing that this media circus is going to be centered around the bigger story. And for Kaepernick and his battle against police brutality and the sacrifice that he made, he sacrificed his NFL career. And I don't know if he intended for it to be that way, but that's the way it ended up working out. That's the bigger story than him, any contribution that he could make to the Las Vegas Raiders. Because if they were to sign him today, he's not playing it down over the course of the next season. You got two other quarterbacks that have some sort of uh, rapport in the league over the last couple of years. Nick Mullins has played in games. Jared Stidham, for crying out loud, was, was spoken about being Tom Brady's replacement in New England. And like I said, Colin Kaepernick hasn't played in five years. Now, if he shows he could play, hey, maybe the Raiders make a trade. Maybe they find some way to work him in on their 53-man roster. Maybe he joins their practice squad if that's what he wants to do. Maybe another team takes a chance on him. I'm hoping that's the case. And I, I hope we get to the preseason NFL games. And obviously, they're not so exciting to watch. The only thing exciting about that is the thought that football is coming back and it's going to return. But, yeah, I'd like to see Kaepernick play a couple series, you know, wearing an NFL uniform again. And I think he owes it to himself in regards to closure. The same closure that I'm talking about that Julio Franco and Jamie Moyer and Bartolo Colon got when they realized that they weren't the same anymore. The same closure that Tiki Barber and Tim Tebow got when they gave it another shot in the NFL and got cut. Perhaps the same closure that Joe Thornton is considering after his 25th season playing his first for the Florida Panthers. You want to know that you gave it everything you got and you left at the right time. Colin Kaepernick has been blackballed for the NFL for five years. I'd like to see if he could play anymore. And if he wants to, which I'm getting every indication now that he does, he's owed that. This is the Past Ball Show brought to you by JohnPielli.com, by St. Aloysius Church in Jackson, New Jersey, by Two Ways, One Passion Food Truck located in Scranton, Pennsylvania. We'll be back with you next Tuesday for another edition of the Past Ball Show. God bless you, and as always, I'll see you on the other side. Chris Pryde was on the Chicago Cubs roster opening day. I have many leather-bound books. My apartment smells of rich mahogany. Why don't you give it all or a majority of it to the team that wins the freaking World Series? I was going to listen to that, but then I just carried on living my life. I may come out as the biggest Major League Baseball manager apologist. It'll only make someone work just hard enough not to get fired. Because hitters are going out there saying, I'm either going to hit a home run or I'm going to strike out. And if I don't get a pitch that I feel like I could drive out of the park, I'm not even supposed to be here today. Especially prospect whores and hoarders are going to be a little pissed off at me when I say this. I'm a disbeliever dude disguised as another dude. There are only two managers in baseball's Hall of Fame who have losing records. One of them is the iconic Connie Mack, who you could say, in spite of winning five World Series championships as a manager, could be in as much as a pioneer. Uh, 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 uh,
understand what side of the spectrum they're on. Were they pitching? Were they batting? If your favorite team was pitching and a ball got inside to hit a batter, there's no way it could have been on purpose. But if you were a fan of the team that was batting and a ball got inside and hit somebody or went behind somebody's head, absolutely 100% unequivocally that pitcher was throwing at put their tail between their legs and decided they're going to do exactly what they're told. You damn well right better give him a contract extension. You damn well right better make him the manager over the next series of years. 35 years ago, I could have loaned your parents the money for an abortion.